It is December the 29th, 2023, just a few days away from the new year, 2024. The last Friday night of 2023 means the last Fortress of Rock podcast episode of the year. How are you doing out there in podcast land? I am the maestro, Kevin Crane. As always, glad, happy, ecstatic to have you aboard, especially for this extremely special episode of the Fortress of Rock as we do our year-end recap. The top five concerts, the top five songs, and the top five albums, in my humble opinion, of 2023. Now, of course, I have not listened to every new album. I have not seen every concert. I have not listened to every new song. I'm just giving you my opinion based on what I have listened to. Now, I will say this, and some of you will take offense, but I've probably listened to more new music than 95% of you out there. So in that respect, I think my opinion, my rankings actually matter. Now, in terms of concerts, that could go either way. Only saw about 10, 11 concerts this year. I say 11 because there was the debacle with Megadeth, that whole sham. So I'm not going to revisit that. You can look it up in the archives. That would have been about uh, late September when I discussed that and how I thought we were going to get a two and a half, three hour concert. And it looked initially very promising. And then it would eventually turn out that we were looking at a six, six and a half hour mess that would have just been a nightmare with no bathroom facilities, no food to eat, just had to walk away, ate $35 and walked away. And I literally probably would have had to have eaten $35 because there wasn't much in terms of food. And again, nowhere to pee. But we will look tonight at the better times, the better concerts. But first, we're not going to abandon our normal process, our normal format. We've got a little bit to give you in terms of everything that we would give you on a normal podcast episode here of the Fortress of Rock. So, of course, we will start with News of the World. Our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen. Now, first off, we mentioned here early in the month of December 2023, how KISS called it quits, final show, end of the road tour, Madison Square Garden. But then they came in at the end and just can't leave well enough alone. Just go out gracefully. And of course we know Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, don't know how to do that. And they tease this whole deal about virtual shows with avatars. 
Well, now we get a social media post from KISS where they are saying a new KISS show is coming in. Wait for it. Wait for it. 2027. So if you actually are looking forward to these avatars, and I know they've done this with ABBA, it's just not my thing. I don't like I don't like tribute bands. I don't like this virtual reality AI stuff. But if it's your cup of tea, if you want to shell out money to see phony, uh, you know, cover bands, tribute bands, avatars, AI, if you want to shell out 30, 40 bucks to see that, and I, I guarantee KISS will not charge 30 or 40. It's going to be a lot more than that. Then you go for it. I'll save my money. And mark your calendars for 2027 for that. <laughs> wow. Just a terrible, terrible way to wrap up a fantastic Rock and Roll Hall of Fame career. Just sad the way Kiss has to go out like this. I'm sorry, it is. To me, it's just sad. It's it's grasping at straws. It's a desperate attempt to stay relevant. And again, we know Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley, always looking to squeeze that last penny, that last dollar out of their fans. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. They've always been good to their fans. They've always tried to put on the best possible shows. But this just is not a good not a good look, not a good way to go out. Now, follow-up from last week's episode. Now, last week on episode 123, I talked about... Eddie Kramer and the Experience Hendrix team, who are in charge of everything to do with the legacy of Jimi Hendrix. And we know there have been tons and tons, dozens and dozens of albums and new music or remastered, reworked music, concert DVDs and and CDs that have come out since Jimi Hendrix passed away. And we talked about last week how Eddie Kramer said there are recordings of Jimi Hendrix that they could use AI on, advanced techniques to enhance, to save the recordings, to mix them so that they sound like basically what we've just heard recently from the Beatles with Now and Then. Well, now Eddie Kramer, in a follow-up to what he initially said about just the Jimi Hendrix archives, now swears that somewhere somebody has got a tape featuring a jam session with Jimi Hendrix, Jim Morrison, and Janice Joplin. And I'll tell you what, that would be unbelievable. And I'm not even a big Janis Joplin fan. 
but that would be an unbelievable moment in rock history if they could dig that up, polish it up, somehow digitally save it, and get that out to the masses. And Eddie Kramer thinks he could do it. He could pull it off, but (laughs) here's the catch, the big but. They've got to find the tape first. And Eddie Kramer sounds a little bit unsure if that will happen. He basically says, somewhere, somehow, I know somebody's got a tape of this. Now we just have to find out who and where. Not sounding all that promising. But again, this is where, quote-unquote, AI can be brought in to salvage and save old recordings. And of course, we will keep you up to date here on the Fortress of Rock if any new news breaks on this, if they find this tape, if if they're able to salvage old Jimi Hendrix songs and snippets, we'll let you know. Great news. Hart played their first live show together. The Wilson sisters, Anna and Nancy, played their first live show together since October the 13th of 2019. Just a few days ago, back on December the 27th, at the Yamava Resort in California. Now, the one thing I didn't like reading this story reading the recap, is that they only played 12 songs. Now, I don't know if that's just because it's a resort in California and you can get away with charging higher prices and giving people less. Sorry, I'm cynical. I firmly believe that. You pay more, you get less especially at a resort, smaller crowd, not as much money coming in for the performer unless they're charging absolutely exorbitant prices for tickets. So only 12 songs in the set, but it pretty much covered what you would expect. I didn't like the fact that it was a little too heavy on the poppy 80s stuff. Would have liked to have seen a little bit more of the classic 70s era heart songs in the set, especially only 12 songs. So we'll see what they pull out of their their bag of tricks in 2024 when they do their opening dates on the Journey and Def Leppard Stadium Tour. But it's just good to have the Wilson sisters back together again. Now a couple of moments of silence. Not really rock and roll per se. Music, yes. Rock, not so much, but Tommy Smothers passed away within the past week. Of course, Tommy Smothers, along with his brother Dick, known for the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour in the mid to late 60s, and their connection to rock and roll is that it was a variety show and they had some of the biggest, and I mean biggest acts 
in rock and roll on their show, even though it only aired for a couple years on network TV. They had The Who on there. They had The Doors. They had Simon and Garfunkel. And the Smothers Brothers kind of did a little bit of music on their own as well. So you can't deny the impact the Smothers Brothers had in trying to bring music, especially rock and roll, to the masses on the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. And then if you're into country music, we talk about it on occasion. I like to make sure I cover all the music bases. Laura Lynch tragically dies in a car accident. Laura Lynch was one of the original members of the Dixie Chicks. Not the Chicks, the Dixie Chicks. I refuse to bow down to the current lineup and their PC garbage. Not the Chicks, the Dixie Chicks. So thoughts and prayers go out to the family, friends of Laura Lynch, and of course, Tommy Smothers. Now, before we get on to our first of our three countdowns for this weekend, got to go off on a little bit of a tangent, go on some rants here. First and foremost, Deadline.com doesn't really talk a lot about music. They touch on it briefly. They are known as one of the preeminent pop culture entertainment websites, mostly talking about Hollywood. I believe they're based in the UK, though, because they talk a lot about the BBC. So I've got to believe if they're not based in the UK, they have got a major, major contingent of reporters and journalists, quote-unquote, in Great Britain. Well, I'm going to call out Caroline Frost, one of the writers for Deadline.com, for shame. A disgusting, ugly article put out by Caroline Frost on Deadline.com here within the last week during the Christmas season. A very brief and I think sketchy, weak criticism of the classic Band-Aid song, Do They Know It's Christmas, which we all know in the 80s was the first of the efforts to draw attention to and raise money for famine in Ethiopia. So how could this be wrong? How could this be criticized? Well, you got to remember, it's 2023, and hopefully 2024 will be better. But Miss Frost pulls out a couple obscure reporters that I believe are from Africa to talk about how they felt like the song was demeaning and degrading to them when they were younger. The lyrics are condescending. To the reporters that Carolyn Frost brought in for this, again, short, very, very bare bones, thin piece of garbage, in my opinion, 
to these reporters and to Carolyn Frost, we don't need you. You can go away. There are always flaws with charities. We always talk about negative people like me, and I'm a negative person. We talk about how you give money to a charity and how much of the money you give actually gets to the people, to the animals, to the beings, the foundation, the actual causes that it needs to go to. How much of it actually makes it there? How much gets pulled out for administrative costs, salaries, and all that other nonsense? Yes, that's valid criticism. What's not valid criticism is saying a song like, Do They Know It's Christmas is racist. Because somebody with nothing better to do decides to waste all our time reading too much into the lyrics. And we see this far too often in this world, not just in rock and roll, not just in music, but in every aspect of life. People there to drag us down, to make positives into negatives, and these people need to go away. Go find an island to live on and leave the rest of us alone because you do us no good. You are not a boon to society. You're trying to ruin our lives and drag us all down in your negativity, and we just don't need you. So bye-bye, Carolyn Frost. Go away. Now, this final, before we get to our countdown, our first countdown, this final little rant isn't really me. This is a guitarist called Angel Vivaldi. And I'll tell you right right away, I don't know who he is. I don't know. I don't know who the guy is. I looked at his credentials. I don't know who he's played with. I literally don't know who he's played with. I don't know who these people are, who these bands are. But he takes exception to Kirk Hammett of Metallica, who recently, talking to Loudwire, said that, quote, non-musicians, unquote, will never remember guitar solos. Now, Angel Vivaldi comes back and says, and and I'll tell you this, I don't know who the guy is. Again, I don't recognize any of the names of the bands or the people he's played with, but very well thought out criticism, very well spoken, very well written, thought out criticism. And if you want to read what he wrote in response in a couple social media posts to Kirk Hammett's discussion of guitar solos, It's posted on ultimateclassicrock.com. But to give you the short and the sweet parts of it, he says, number one, he's implying, not saying it outright, but implying Kirk Hammett is lazy as a guitarist. He, He points out different interview snippets, different factual things from documentaries, including from his own bandmate, Lars Ulrich, that it took six months for Kirk Hammett to come up with the solo for The Unforgiven. And then for their latest album, Metallica's 72 Seasons, 
Another source has said Kirk Hammett basically just came up with 20 or 30 solos, gave them to Ulrich, and I believe the producer, could have been the engineer, and said, here you go, edit these into the songs where you see fit. So basically, Angel Vivaldi is saying that Kirk Hammett is part of the reason why the great guitar solo is dying, and he should not talk about non-musicians, that being you and I, the fans, not remembering great guitar solos. Angel Vivaldi says they will remember, we will remember great guitar solos as long as they're not put together by lazy guitarists like Kirk Hammett. And he goes on to point out Steve Vai as being still incredible and memorable when it comes to his performances and his guitar solos. So again, I have no idea who Angel Vivaldi is, but boy, does he make some valid, valid points, kind of making Kirk Hammett look bad. But again, read the full article, ultimateclassicrock.com. Very, very interesting read. All right, we're finally here, the first of our three top fives of 2023. We'll start off with concerts. The top five concerts I saw in 2023. Number five, and it was the most recent show that I saw, and again, embarrassed with the turnout embarrassed that only two or 300 people showed up for Chris Isaac at the Lerner Theater in Elkhart. He is great. His band Silvertone, tight, talented. They've been together so long, decades. Chris Isaac is funny, charismatic as a front man, still has an unbelievable voice. Number five for the year. Chris Isaac. Number four, the first concert I saw. So we go from the last concert I saw in 2023 to the first I saw in 2023. Mammoth WVH opening for Alter Bridge. Now, this could have been a, a much worse review. Much, I, I really, this is one of those concerts where the things that happen around you influence your take, your view, your opinion of the show. We started off, we thought we had good seats. Underneath a massive balcony overhang turned out to be terrible seats. So that kind of ruined Mammoth WVH. But luckily, there were plenty of seats upstairs on the balcony. Now, this was down in Indianapolis at the Murat, the old National Center. After Mammoth WVH, they passed along tickets for us to move upstairs to the balcony, and these were phenomenal. I mean, we're talking just a couple rows back from the edge in the upper balcony. So definitely much better seats for Alter Bridge made the show that much better. And then, of course, Miles Kennedy, Mark Tremonti were phenomenal. 
You guys know how much I love Alter Bridge. So, number four concert of the year, Alter Bridge and Mammoth WVH at the Murat in Indianapolis, Indiana. Number three. Now we're going to get to the point where, for just a second, let me qualify some things. Now, I just mentioned the surroundings, the crowd. If you get amenities, free amenities, good things happen to you at the show. It will color your opinion of the overall experience. So I think when we look at the top three for me for the year, I think a lot of this has got to do with, number one, bands that I had never seen before, performers that I had never seen before. So that added an extra level of excitement. But I also want to qualify this by saying, I'm not going to judge a show based on its entire lineup. I will pick and choose. I will cherry pick. If two of the three acts were phenomenal and one stunk I'm not going to hold the one that stunk against the other two. Or two of the three stunk, whatever. I will cherry pick a little bit here for my top three. So number three, at the Hard Rock Casino in Gary, Indiana, Extreme and Living Color. I've seen Living Color. Always good, always dependable, always rock solid. Never had seen Extreme before. They put on a hell of a show. My only criticism would be Living Color didn't like the set list as much as the two other times I have seen them in the past. But they're still on an off night. Better than 99% of the bands out there. And Extreme was absolutely fantastic. So number three. On my list of the best concerts of 2023, Extreme and Living Color in Gary, Indiana. So number two, this is again where I'm going to come back to what I just said. I am going to write off the first two acts in a triple bill at the Ruoff Music Center in Noblesville, Indiana. I know you've got a lot of fans out there of some 41 and a lot of fans, a simple plan. I wasn't really into either one of them. Sorry, they were okay. Not awful, not great, but the headliner was who I was there for. And had never seen them before and had been waiting for years and years and decades to see them. Finally got to see The Offspring my number two concert of 2023. And I wasn't expecting a lot. And again, expectations, another thing you've got to take into account. If you come in expecting the greatest show in the world and you get just a really good show, you're going to be disappointed, even though you really shouldn't be. Now, I did not go in with high expectations for The Offspring. I had honestly never met anybody who said the offspring are unbelievable in concert, ridiculous, the best band ever live. So I went in with tempered expectations and they were damn good live. The offspring, the set list was perfect. 
very solid, very good performance. And they did some things before this, before they came on stage that I thought were fun to keep the crowd engaged between them and some 41 that a lot of bands should learn a lesson from the offspring on how to keep the crowd entertained and engaged and not just play thunderstruck. So number two, best concerts of 2023, the offspring. Number one, again, same situation band. I'd never seen before paired with a band I had seen before a band in the middle that sucked. That would be Interpol. I'm talking about my number one concert of 2023 rival sons and smashing pumpkins. Smashing Pumpkins blew me away. And again, lowered expectations. Was not expecting the be-all, end-all. But Billy Corgan, unbelievable. Fantastic front man. Fantastic musician. Fantastic guitar player. And again, I write Interpol off in the middle. And of course, Rival Sons. You know how much I love Rival Sons. We'll talk more about them later on. That's called foreshadowing, kids. But my number one concert of 2023, Smashing Pumpkins and Rival Sons, ignoring Interpol at the Ruoff Music Center in Noblesville, Indiana. So that wraps up segment one. Long, long way to go, though, kids. Still got to talk about best songs of the year, best albums of the year, and all of our usual stuff on top of that. Quick promo break, and I will be right back. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Fortress of Rock podcast with me, the maestro, Kevin Crane. Of course, that was segment one, the news of the world, our tribute to Freddie Mercury and Queen, where we look back at the past week in rock and roll and all the news and all the controversies that you deserve to know about. Next up is the heart of the show, the meat and potatoes breakdown, where we are going to review all the new songs, all the new albums, all the new concert tours, the shows that I've seen personally. Stay tuned for that. Of course, we're now available on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Hang out, kids. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Fortress of Rock, episode 124 here, the final episode of 2023. December the 29th, I am the maestro Kevin Crane. Blasted through a full segment one, News of the World. Covered the news of the world, the rock and roll news of the world, and also gave you my top five concerts of 2023. Chris Isaac, five, Alter Bridge and Mammoth, WVH, four, Extreme and Living Color, three, The Offspring, two, and Smashing Pumpkins and Rival Sons, number one, for the year. Now, 
before we get into, we got a couple new songs to talk about real quick, and then we will do our top five songs of 2023. We're going to try to do some different things in 2024, not going nutsy, cuckoo, crazy. We're going to keep the format pretty much the same, but a couple things we might give you ways for you to interact a little bit more with the podcast, some different things. You guys know how I feel about Billboard magazine and how they have screwed up the charts from my beloved American Top 40 days when I was a kid with Casey Kasem, and now they've just completely botched it all, saying that the, oh, they're counting streaming now, but somehow Queen's Greatest Hits stays in the top 50 or 60 albums for years and years on end. That is not accurate. That is not the way you're supposed to do it. So I'm thinking about not going to do a complete and total countdown of my top albums of the week or my top songs of the week, but I'm thinking, what harm could it be if I decide here on the Fortress of Rock, starting in 2024, that I give you my top album of the week and my top song of the week. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be the one, one of the songs I review or the album I review each and every week. But it'll give you an idea of what I'm really listening a lot to and what I'm really liking. And of course, that means a song could be number one, two, three weeks in a row. Same thing with an album. So that will give you a little bit more of a, a glimpse into how much I like this stuff. So we're looking at most likely next week, we're going to start with the Fortress of Rock top album of the week and top song of the week. And then... On the suggestion of our host platform, Spotify, we're looking at possibly adding a Q&A weekly, maybe a poll weekly to engage you guys a little bit more. So be on the lookout for that. Nothing is said in concrete. I'm old. I'm abhorrent to change. But these few little tweaks might be coming next week. All right, two songs to review. Two new songs before we look back at the five best songs of 2023. David Lee Roth did it again. Not only did he release yet another new song, but he did it at the last possible minute, so we missed it for our Christmas episode. So now we're stuck between Christmas and New Year's. I, I don't want to wait a full year to review this because it is a great, great song. So we're going to review here Talking Christmas Blues. And this is classic David Lee Roth, especially the lyrics and the delivery. Now, it's all harmonica and acoustic guitar, but it all works. It's funny. The lyrics are great. As I mentioned, 
David Lee Roth figures out a way to not only honor Christmas, but manages to, of course, since he's Jewish, work Hanukkah and the menorah in there. Just very, very clever, funny. And we talked about Mark Tremonti's Christmas album. Again, didn't go seeking all this new Christmas music. Especially, you're not going to find a lot of, of rock and rollers putting out Christmas albums. We're lucky to get one or two a year. But I will say this, Talking Christmas Blues by David Lee Roth is the best Christmas song, new Christmas song I heard this year. So take that for what you want to. It's late. It's after Christmas. Just remember this for next year. Tuck this away in your rock and roll memory banks for next Christmas play talking Christmas blues around the house every day between Thanksgiving and Christmas. David Lee Roth will not let you down. Now, second single from Mick Mars, of course, former guitarist for Motley Crue. His new album, The Other Side of Mars, is coming out in 2024. The second single has been released. It is called Right Side of Wrong. Now, the problem I've got with what I've heard so far from Mick Mars in his solo work is that he is not distinguishing himself as a guitar player. And what I mean by that is that you've had guitar players who've had their own bands, and they've brought in other people to sing. You look at guys like Ted Nugent. Now, he sang on some of his big songs, but not all of them. Ingve Malmsteen does not sing. Steve Vai. Michael Schenker. George Lynch. Just to name a few. These guys do not sing for the most part. They bring in quote-unquote ringers, they bring in better voices, not always well-known voices, but better voices to sing these songs when they have lyrics. Obviously, sometimes they're just doing instrumentals. But Mick Mars is going a slightly different way where he is trying to put together maybe more like the lynch mob would be a good example where not going way off on instrumental tangents, trying to stay more in terms of a four to five minute listener friendly format, the, the, the typical rock and roll single length. But the difference between George Lynch and McMars is George Lynch will make each and every song his own with his guitar solos, his guitar playing distinctive. Mick Mars, so far, I'm not getting that. There is nothing distinctive, nothing setting this apart from cookie-cutter, generic, new metal. And that's a shame. Now, the first single I mentioned to you guys when I reviewed it, 
I mentioned that it sounded a little bit like Nine Inch Nails, a little bit of that industrial feel to it, which I am not a fan of. Luckily, Right Side of Wrong, here the second single, a little bit better in terms of songwriting. They dial it back a little bit when it comes to this new metal industrial edge. You can hear the, the makings of a really good song in there somewhere, chorus, verse, chorus. Uh, it just, it's just the structure is right. The chorus has a certain level of finesse and catchiness to it. But it again, it needed to be polished. It need They needed to make it, I hate to say this, a little bit more radio-friendly and poppy and polish off some of the rough edges. So I will guardedly say give Right Side of Wrong by Mick Mars a listen. And I'm curious to know what you guys think, if you feel the same way about it I do, where you hear the makings of a really good song in there. But number one, again, Mick Mars is not showing any kind of personality. He's not making this his own. But again, the structure, the the lyrics, there is a great song in there. The bones for a great song are in there with right side of wrong. All right. Our second countdown here on December the 29th will be the five best songs of 2023. Starting off at number five, I do not normally like to do this. I mean, you have got to blow me away, knock my socks off for me to choose a cover song in my five best songs of any year. Now, does that make me a hypocrite to some extent? You could say that because, of course, Van Halen, my favorite band of all time, known for having some phenomenal cover songs. You're no good. You really got me. Dancing in the street, just to name a few. But I normally, you know, I I have talked about the rules here on the Fortress of Rock. We don't normally review live albums. We don't normally review greatest hits packages or covers albums. Now, in this particular case, this cover song was part of an original album. Originally done by Del Reeves. And I did not know initially the first time I heard it that it was a cover song. So I was a little disappointed after doing some research to find out that it was originally done by Del Reeves back in the 60s. But in the end, it cannot dampen my enthusiasm for. Brian Setzer's ridiculously good version of 
Girl on the Billboard. From his album, The Devil Always Collects. My number five song of 2023. And Brian Setzer, welcome return for Brian Setzer with The Devil Always Collects. Now, I'll give you a little spoiler for what's coming. The Devil Always Collects was an honorable mention, but did not make my top five when it comes to the top albums of 2023. However, I was just so into Girl on the Billboard. And the passion and the enthusiasm and the energy that Brian Setzer brought to his remake of this Del Reeves classic that it just sucked me in. And I just loved it. And I don't want to overanalyze it. And I don't want to start putting rules and regulations into it. I just, I don't care if it's a cover song. It's my number five song of the year. That's how good of a song Brian Setzer's version of Girl on the Billboard is. So now number four. Mentioned them in the first segment when I was talking about my favorite concerts of 2023. And it had been a long, long, long time since we'd gotten new music from Extreme. And of course, their album Six came out in 2023. Many, many, many good songs on that album. A few clunkers, a few clunkers, but many, many phenomenal songs, including my number four song of 2023 with the unique, interesting title. Hashtag Rebel by Extreme is my number four song of the year. Gary Sharon, Nuno Betancourt are in perfect sync. And I always, always have given Gary Sharon a pass for his time with Van Halen. A lot of diehard Van Halen fans, poo poo. Van Halen 3, whereas I don't, I actually think it's better than a lot of the stuff they did with Sammy Hagar. It might actually, blasphemy, be better than Diver Down with David Lee Roth. Does that make it an all-time great? No, but it's always been unfairly ripped apart. But... The point I'm trying to make is maybe Gary Sharon didn't mesh as well with Eddie Van Halen as he does with Nuno Betancourt, because you can tell these guys get together and they play off each other perfectly. And that's why you sit here in amazement and wonder and go, why haven't these guys put out more new music? This is only their sixth studio album in what 30 plus years 
little bit ridiculous. These guys need to ramp up their schedules, accelerate the process a little bit. This is kind of like last week when I talked about D. Snyder going after the CEO of Spotify, when the CEO of Spotify said, why don't you guys put out some new music more than every three or four years? This is what he's talking about. This is why he was not wrong. And D. Snyder was. We shouldn't have to wait this long for new music from Extreme. But again, that being said, a lot of these songs were well worth the wait, including my number four song of 2023, Hashtag Rebel by Extreme. My number three song of the year. And you knew this band, this person was going to make an appearance at some point in time. And technically, he already has. Because I mentioned him in my top five concerts of 2023. I say him, I say them, potato, potato. Yes, I'm talking about Wolfgang Van Halen, the one-man studio band. Of course, when he goes out on tour, he has his regular group of guys that play with him as Mammoth WVH. The lead-off single from Mammoth 2. Another celebration at the end of the world is my third best song of 2023. And after the the stellar debut that Wolfie put out just a few short years ago, another celebration at the end of the world, the leadoff single from Mammoth 2, I was stunned. I, 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 was, I was in awe because I was saying there's no way he can do this again. There's got to be a letdown. I was guardedly optimistic, but I still thought there's got to be a letdown, right? There's got to be some kind of a letdown. There was. There was overall, looking at the album as a whole, a little, little bit of a letdown. But still... A fantastic effort. And the highlight of Mammoth 2, the leadoff single, another celebration at the end of the world, my third best song of 2023. Number two on my list of the best of 2023 when it comes to songs. And this happens on occasion. We've got the same band we just talked about a few minutes ago, Extreme. The leadoff single from Six, Rise, is my second favorite song of 2023. When I heard this song for the very first time, goosebumps, chills, and again, First time we had heard new music from Extreme 
since Saudades de Rock. What, a decade? Almost a decade ago? So not only was I getting new music from Extreme, but I was getting phenomenal new music from Extreme. And Rise, Nuno Betancourt evoking the ghost of Eddie Van Halen with his guitar work on Rise. It's spooky how much the solo, how much the guitar playing in Rise from Nuno sounds like he's channeling Eddie Van Halen. And I know I said this also with Wolfgang Van Halen and the song Take a Bow on Mammoth 2. But now Wolfgang was playing his father's old guitar through his old Marshall amp. And there's a little bit of genetics at work there as well. You know, Nuno is just somehow separated, but somehow he's connected to Eddie Van Halen. It sounds like on Rise. It is magical. It is phenomenal. Rise from Extreme is my second favorite song of 2023. My number one song of the year. Isn't complicated. It doesn't feature frenzied guitar work. It doesn't feature lyrics that evoke the bard. It's not speaking of high-minded political themes or social issues. It is just a straight-on raw rock and roller by a band who likes to joke around a lot about pretension in rock and roll. They wear the same outfits. They've done it for at least... 20, 25 years since they've been together. Now the outfits might change, but all members of the band wear the same outfit. And again, kind of a, a, a sarcastic nod to rock and roll history, whether it's the Beatles, you pick the band from early in the rock and roll era that all where they all dress the same, Yes, I'm talking about The Hives, my favorite party band. So many fantastic songs to choose from on their latest album. Again, forever, took forever for them to put out a new album. And again, I will say I stick up for the Spotify CEO when he says, how about you put out new music? little more often than every three or four years. We've already talked about the fact with Extreme, it was a decade. And the Hives, same thing, almost a decade. So in, in that sense, my list is reflecting me waiting on pins and needles for years and years and years for new music from bands like Extreme and now the Hives. And it shouldn't have to be that way. Because you look at number three with Mammoth WVH, 
Wolfie is getting into the groove like a Dave Grohl or a Miles Kennedy or a Mark Tremonti, where he's churning out music on a regular basis. No, D. Snyder, not like cans of Coke. They're actually artists. They're actually creators. They want to create. That's what they do. So let's hope between Extreme and now The Hives at number one, we get some new music a little bit sooner than 2033. But my favorite song off, The Death of Randy Fitzsimmons. Four, three, two, one. Count down to shut down. Again, no high-minded concepts here. It's just straight on rock and roll. Now, the hives tend to put a lot of sarcasm and negativity in their, their lyrics, which is all good with me because I'm the same way. Lots of lots of songs about impending Armageddon, impending disaster. Countdown to Shut Down is no different, but it is just tight, well-constructed, well-played, well-performed. The lyrics are great. Again, humor wit they're never at a loss for a nice turn of phrase that makes you chuckle 2023 was a welcome return for the hives and that being said my number one song my favorite song of 2023 the hives countdown to shutdown All right, we're halfway home. Two segments down, two more to go, but only one. Top five remaining. We've done the top five concerts of 2023. We have done the top five songs of 2023, so you know what's left. Once we go into the Rock and Roll DeLorean and come back after a quick trip back into the history of rock and roll, back through time, the most important, in my opinion, list of them all. The top five albums of 2023 is coming up in segment three. Quick promo break, and we'll be right back with a jam-packed third segment, kids. You do not want to miss it. I'm the maestro, and I will be right back. All right, now that we've looked at the current state of music in our breakdown segment, it is time to climb into the DeLorean and travel back in time to look back at moments in rock and roll history, birthdays, deaths, anniversaries of song and album releases. It is time for I Want to Go Back, our tribute to Eddie Money. Stay tuned. And as always, we're on Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, anywhere where you listen to your favorite podcasts. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Fortress of Rock here on December the 29th, 2023. 
I am your humble, gracious host, the maestro Kevin Crane. You are who you are. Doc Brown is with me, getting ready for our last ride of 2023 into the rock and roll time stream. Segment three, I want to go back. Our look back at classic moments in rock and roll history, album releases, birthdays, anything and everything that impacts the history of rock and roll. Plus, of course, we've got to wrap up our look back at the best of 2023 with the top five albums of the year. But of course, as Doc Brown gets the rock and roll DeLorean up to 1.21 gigawatts, we got to take care of some business real quick here because we have got a jam-packed third segment. You have found us somewhere, but you have options. You should know this by now. You can find The Fortress of Rock on Spotify, Google, Radio Public, Pocket Casts, Apple, iHeartRadio, Overcast, CastBox, Audible, and Amazon Music. And of course, don't forget to check out the Facebook page. You know what happens every weekend along with a link to the brand new Fortress of Rock podcast episode. It is the Weekend Rock Project. Already posted, already out there for you. Of course, you know how they say that the old year goes out like an old man, and then the new year comes in like a little infant, a baby. So we decided for this weekend's rock project, since Monday is New Year's Day, that whole thing with the old man and the baby, we focus on the baby. We want your favorite rock songs with the word baby in the title. Very, very easy. Figured we'd take a break not make anything very difficult, very hard for you guys. How many hundreds and hundreds of great songs are out there with the word baby in the title. So jump on the Facebook page and let us know your favorite rock song with the word baby in the title. Then of course, on New Year's Eve, this coming Sunday is New Music Sunday. I will post a brand new song, a brand new video, for you to enjoy, most likely something we've discussed here on the podcast. Then, of course, my sources for my stories in segment one primarily and here in segment three. We already talked about ultimateclassicrock.com. Great story about Kirk Hammett and Angel Vivaldi. The Van Halen News Desk. For all you Van Halen fanatics like me out there. And then, for you rock and roll historians, thisdayinmusic.com. Couldn't do it all without you, though. Thank you for listening throughout the year. And hopefully you'll stick around and stay with us into 2024 and beyond. Because this train is going to keep on rolling all night long. 
All right, like I said, we got a lot to cover here in 25 minutes, so let's get into it. Birthday's up first, December the 29th. We talked about this band in segment one, my second best concert of 2023. And here they are again. Some rock and roll synergy for you. Born on this day, December the 29th, 1966, Brian Dexter Holland. Yes, we all know him as Dexter Holland. Lead singer for The Offspring. December the 29th, 1955. He has been inseparable from his wife. And they have been married. Probably the, I would say, the preeminent rock and roll couple. For the last 40 years. Yes, 40 years. Who says you can't have true love between celebrities, stars, musicians? 40 years of wedded bliss. Married to Pat Benatar. Happy birthday to Neil Giraldo. Great underrated guitar player, of course. Always inseparable from his wife. One of the greatest female voices in rock history. Once again, happy birthday to Neil Giraldo. December the 29th, 1951. A one-hit wonder, but very significant one-hit wonder because she was part of arguably the most popular movie soundtrack of all time. Not much argument. There's probably somebody out there who will argue. Yes, I'm talking about Saturday Night Fever. Now, I've always mentioned it's always fun to learn new things. And that's why I enjoy doing this podcast, not just because I get to talk to you guys about music and express my opinions and let you know what's good, what's not good. But you learn stuff. And I learned while I was researching the birthday for Yvonne Elliman. Of course, she had the number one hit off of Saturday Night Fever, If I Can't Have You. I learned that that was not the song she was originally intended to sing for the soundtrack. Did you know? That Yvonne Elliman was supposed to sing, How Deep Is Your Love? But the powers that be got together, decided that the Bee Gees should sing, How Deep Is Your Love? Instead, they gave Yvonne Elliman, If I Can't Have You. And I think it all worked out well for all parties involved. December the 29th, 1947, Cozy Powell, famous drummer, jumped around from one band to another, a lot of different places he played, most notably, at least in my opinion, Rainbow and White Snake. So Cozy Powell, 
born on this day in 1947. Born on December the 29th, 1946. This one I don't get. I mean, did she get famous just because she dated Mick Jagger? Yeah, Marianne Faithful was born on this day. And of course, for people of my generation or younger, you probably know her best for being the female voice in Metallica's The Memory Remains. This is one of those performers that I think is vastly overrated in the annals of rock history, but happy birthday to Marianne Faithful. December the 29th, 1942, the birthday of Rick Danko. Rick Danko was the bass player for the band. And then finally, December the 29th, 1941, the birthday of Ray Thomas, one of the important classic lineup members of the Moody Blues. All right, moving on to anniversaries. December the 29th, 1973. Time in a Bottle by Jim Croce was the number one song in the U.S. Very bittersweet because Jim Croce had died just a few months earlier in a plane crash. So Time in a Bottle was his second number one song, but it was posthumous. December the 29th, 1966. Paul McCartney begins working on a song called Penny Lane in Abbey Road Studios. You would think you could find an anniversary, some semblance of a significant anniversary for the Beatles, any of the four Beatles, on any day of the year. <laughs> And then finally, even though he had one of his records recently matched, one of his Billboard chart records recently matched by Taylor Swift, I believe it was most total weeks, career, total weeks at number one on the Hot 100. I believe this record still stands. Could be wrong, but I'm usually not. December the 29th, 1956, because there was a delay in the charts. I think there still is a little bit of a delay with Billboard posting their charts. You got the week ending, but then the actual tabulation takes time. So it takes about a week, week and a half for the actual numbers to get posted and published. So even though this was referring to a week in mid-December, the official numbers published, posted on December the 29th, 1956, Elvis Presley set a record, which again, I think still stands. Elvis Presley had 10 songs in the Billboard back then 
top 100, of course, later to be called the Hot 100. Once again, on this day in 1956, the King of Rock and Roll had 10 songs in the Billboard Top 100. All right. So Doc Brown's turning us around, heading back to the fortress. But while we're doing that, let us get into our third and final countdown for the best music of 2023. And this one, as I mentioned, the most important to me, the album. The album format to me is the piece de resistance of music. Yes, you can put together a great song. You can put on a great concert, but a great album, 9, 10, 12, 13 songs that resonate, that last, that become iconic, that people want to listen to sequentially over and over and over again, is the greatest achievement to me any rock and roll musician can attain. So let's get into our top five albums of 2023. And I will tell you right now, there is going to be some discussion. There is going to be some disagreement on a couple fronts, especially where we're starting off with my fifth favorite album of 2023. Some would say it does not qualify as an album. And I'm one of the people that kind of went back and forth on that. But you got to look back at rock and roll history and you've got to look back at albums like Van Halen's Diver Down and Fair Warning that clocked in either just over 30 minutes or just short of 30 minutes. And this album, even though it's only six songs, does clock in right around that 30-minute time frame, maybe a little bit short. I still wish this band would have taken their two albums, there's your big hint, their two albums of 2023 and combine them into one. I don't know if it would have fit because of course now it's all about the constraints of the CD format. And I don't know if you had combined Lightbringer and Dark Fighter if Rival Sons could have put out one album without cutting a couple songs out. I still think if they had done it and done it the right way and cut out the right one or two songs, probably just one would have done it. If they'd had to cut out more than one, then maybe I can see their point in releasing these albums separately. But that being said, number five 
and I tried and I tried to find some other album this year. I didn't want to do this. I know this sounds like a cop out, but I didn't want to do this because you guys know I have been over the moon, crazy, nutsy cuckoo about Rival Sons for the last two years. So I tried to temper my enthusiasm and tried to find a full 10, 12 song album by somebody else that would have fit the bill. And I couldn't. And I've alluded to this over the last couple months. It was a very disappointing year for music in terms of what we got, who released albums, and the quality of said albums. Foo Fighters, very disappointing. Not even in my top 10 albums of the year, let alone top five. And who would have thought that? I never would have said. If you'd asked me ahead of time, Foo Fighters, new album's coming out, not even going to be in your top 10. I'd said, you're crazy. You are absolutely off your rocker. Didn't make my top 10. So let's, let's first talk about honorable mentions, and then we'll finish number five and move on. Some honorable mention albums that just missed the cut from my top five albums of the year. Rolling Stone's Hackney Diamonds was very good. Brian Setzer, we talked about him in the last segment. The Devil Always Collects was very close to making the top five. I really liked Jesse James Dupree's Breathing Fire that came out towards the end of the year just kind of under the wire. Also very, very happy with Jimmy Buffett's final album, Equal Strain on All Parts. Winger 7 had a lot of good songs, but just wasn't consistent enough. Same could be said about Extremes 6. So by process of elimination now, If you guys have been following the podcast throughout the year, you're getting a feel for where I'm going with these top five. So number five, only six songs, but still technically qualifies as an album. And it qualifies as my fifth best album of 2023. The second album of the year for Rival Sons, Lightbringer. And speaking of honorable mentions, you'll note, going back to the last segment, how I showed restraint. I did show restraint with Rival Sons and did not put any of the fantastic songs they put out this year in the top five. Because of the consistency, the quality of the songs is so consistent. It just didn't didn't seem right, didn't seem fair to single out a track here or a track there. But if I was going to single out two songs from Lightbringer, it would obviously be the first two singles, which were ridiculously good. Sweet Life and Mercy. So number five, Lightbringer. Number four, 
They had the number one song in the last segment. And again, too, too long to wait for a brand new album from The Hives. But the death of Randy Fitzsimmons did not disappoint. Excellent, excellent album. The Hives land number four on my list of the best albums of 2023. Number three. I have learned to like this album more and more as I listen to it more and more, and isn't that what makes an album great? Now, unlike the Foo Fighters, if you'd have said to me at the beginning of the year, you got a new Mammoth WVH album coming out and you're not going to put it in your top five or top ten, and I just said, no way, I would have been right on this occasion. Unlike the Foo Fighters, I would have been right because Mammoth 2 by Mammoth WVH Wolfgang Van Halen is solid. It is not quite as good as the first album, but usually there are a lot of years of songwriting and tweaking and gearing up for that debut. Look at Van Halen. Look at Van Halen 1. And all the years in the clubs that they put in and tweaking and refining their sound and working on these songs to refine it down to the best 10 or 12. And I'm sure Wolfgang Van Halen did the same thing with his debut album. So it only seems natural there's going to be something of a drop-off. But like Van Halen, from Van Halen 1 to Van Halen 2, the drop-off is minimal. Barely noticeable. So my third favorite album of 2023 is Mammoth 2 from Mammoth WVH. Oh, and here they are again at number two. No, not Mammoth. Rival Sons. The the first of their two albums of 2023 is by far the best of the two. It's also a little bit longer. It's eight songs versus six. So again, you see why I bring up the whole consolidating into one classic all-time album versus two really, really good albums. Eight songs, Dark Fighter, but Dark Fighter is easily the best of the two. Not a weak moment on Dark Fighter. Number two album of 2023 is the first album of the year from Rival Sons, Dark Fighter. So that leaves us with number one. And it's interesting to note, I have not mentioned this band at all yet in this episode. All the other bands, Rival Sons, The Hives, Mammoth WVH, Extreme, all got multiple mentions, concerts, songs. But this band I haven't even brought up once. And we're at number one 
the best album of 2023. And I have kept track over the years, I know. Shocking. I have kept track over the years. I have done these kind of lists for myself personally over the years, even before I started this podcast, just so I could look back. I could go back to 2007. I go back to 2002 or 2014, and I could see what my favorite songs and my favorite albums of that particular year were. And this band has done this before. They have had the best album of the year before, in my opinion. I have never seen them in concert. I would love to see them in concert. Missed out on a chance this past year. Hope it doesn't come back and bite me. But this album is phenomenal. It is consistent from beginning to end. All the songs are great. And again, kind of like what I just said with Rival Sons. Too hard to pick and choose. One song over another. In such a solid, consistent, fantastic album. My number one album for 2023 is Queens of the Stone Age in Times New Roman. Josh Homme has proven to be one of the new gods of rock and roll. Up there with his buddy Dave Grohl. I will say it again. I am nothing if not consistent. Put out new music a little more frequently, Josh, okay? And I know I've used the word consistent way too much in the last three or four minutes, but I am not wrong about these artists putting out new music more frequently. And Josh Homme, Queens of the Stone Age, are a perfect example of one of these bands, performers, that is a violator, a perpetrator of this rule. I should not have had to wait this long. Granted, best album of the year. People would say, why are you complaining? Because when you get this type of excellence, you expect more. You want more. And again, I'm not, I'm going back to D. Snyder from last week. I'm not expecting artists and performers to churn out music like cans of Coke. We're not asking for a new album every year. Although back in the 70s and the 80s, somehow they managed to, to create great albums year in and year out. Van Halen, Prince. The Allman Brothers go all the way back through the 70s. Elton John go back to the Beatles in the 60s. We're putting out two albums a year. Maybe at times three. And now we get a new album from these artists and these bands every six, seven, ten years. And we're supposed to go, oh, goody, 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 thank you so much. Regardless of how excellent the albums are. 
And I'm not trying to pick on queens of the Stone Age. I'm not trying to harsh our mellow here as we rain accolades down on the number one album of 2023 in Times New Roman. But great artists, great performers. You can go into film, great filmmakers, great actors. They're supposed to live to create, live to perform. And I just, I I can't, I can't rationalize. And I keep harping on last week's episode and the D Snyder and, and Spotify stuff, but I can't figure out why people who have this gift to create want to delay creating, want to push off giving us new music, new stories, new movies, whatever the genre, whatever we're talking about, whatever medium. So for as much as I absolutely loved in Times New Roman, and it gets my number one album of 2023. I want more, and I want more, more frequently. And again, just like the Spotify CEO said, I'm not asking for miracles. I'm not asking for cans of Coke, like D. Snyder crassly said. I'm asking for, hey, is it really that hard for a rock and roll band who makes all their money and makes their living from performing and creating rock and roll to put out new music every couple years? Is that really too much to ask? And again, I ask these performers to look back in time at their heroes, at their icons, the artists, the performers, the bands they grew up loving, and look how often they put out new music. And then look at how often you put out new music. And then tell me about the difference and explain to me why we have that difference. I'm sorry. I did not mean to get off on a tangent. But a lot of the music we've talked about here in my best of lists for 2023, The Hives, Extreme, and now Queens of the Stone Age, we're talking about bands that have taken seven eight, 10 years to put out new music, to put out new albums. And it's just, in my eyes, it's unforgivable. You look at people who write books, you look at authors, they're putting out a new book every year, consistently. Gone are the days when, what was it, Harper Lee put out To Kill a Mockingbird and basically put out nothing else for decades, it doesn't work like that anymore. If you write a book once every 20 years, to me, you're not an author. You're a fluke. You got lucky once. You don't have the passion. You don't have the drive to keep going and do it over and over and over again. You're wasting your talent. You're wasting your gift. All right, off my soapbox, 
back in the garage here with the rock and roll DeLorean. Doc Brown has had about enough of me pontificating. We're pulling up the drawbridge over the moat, shutting down the Fortress of Rock tonight, December the 29th. But after one last promo break, got a couple more minutes to talk about what's coming up in 2024. Again, anytime we're turning the calendar from one year to the next, we're in this holiday lull. Not a lot of new stuff coming out, but with the exception of maybe one week in January, we're in pretty good shape here on the Fortress of Rock. So stick around. One more break. I'll be right back. Well, we hope you enjoyed our trip back in time, looking back at the anniversaries, the classic moments in rock and roll history. But of course, the DeLorean works both ways. So now we have to move forward. The last segment here, as always, on the Fortress of Rock with me, the maestro Kevin Crane. Spotify, Anchor, Apple, Stitcher, CastBox, Google, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It's all about the future. What's coming out here in the next month or two? What songs? What albums? What concert tours? That's why we call it Wrap It Up. Thanks to the fabulous Thunderbirds. Thanks to you for hanging out. Here comes our final segment. All right, kids, you know what it is. Segment four, time to wrap it up. Our tribute to the fabulous Thunderbirds here on the Fortress of Rock, December the 29th, 2023. Final episode of the year, episode 124. Wrap it up is, of course, where we discuss what we're going to be doing what we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. So, of course, this will carry us into 2024. Next week, our featured album review will be Duran Duran. Now, this album was meant as a Halloween release. So a very short window of opportunity to really review this when it would have been a little more relevant So unfortunately, that window has passed, but we're still going to review it. It's only about three months old. So our first album review of 2024 will be Duran Duran's Dance Macabre. Again, a a dark Halloween-themed album, a lot of cover songs, three new songs, a couple reimagined old Duran Duran tracks. That's coming up on episode 125, which will drop next Friday, the 5th of January. Then in two weeks, the Struts. Now, we talked about Dirty Honey recently in their new album, The Struts. I kind of put those two together, The Struts and Dirty Honey. They're kind of like these new saviors of rock and roll, trying to keep the, the vibe alive. I do admire them for that, although I'm not quite sure at times if their music quality level is quite up to what it needs to be to carry the torch. I don't think they're 
quite as good as Rival Sons or Alter Bridge, but still not bad all in all. So in two weeks, the brand new Struts album, Pretty Vicious, we'll have that for you. That'd be episode 126, dropping January the 12th. Now, I did allude to the fact that we were going to have a week where we're going to have like, uh, have some trouble. So hopefully I'll be able to dig up an album that I have missed that slipped through the cracks for episode 127 on January the 19th, because right now I do not have anything slated for that in terms of a new album review. You got suggestions, send them on in. Get on the Facebook page, send us a comment, let me know what album I've missed that you think I should have reviewed from 2023. Then, four weeks, we do have a big one. That would be episode 128 hitting on January the 26th. We will have the brand new Green Day album for you, Saviors. We will have a review of that for you. Last episode of January 2024. In terms of songs, again, it is a downtime for new music. It's pretty much the case each and every year. Um, I did dig up a cover song that I'm going to review for you here soon. You might remember that last year in 2022, I loved, loved a song by Devil's Train called Ashes and Bones. In fact, it made my top five for the year in terms of songs. Well, Devil's Train is back with a cover song, their version of the Stevie Wonder classic, Superstitious, or Superstition, sorry. I always get that confused. Superstitious, superstition. Which one is it? But either way, Devil's Train has done their version of it. And we will have that for you coming up in the next week or two on the Fortress of Rock. I've already alluded to the fact that we've got new music from Bruce Dickinson of Iron Maiden and Scott Stapp of Creed that we might delve into if we get desperate. So, we will figure it out. And again, as we look at the slate, for the most part, we got one gap, one week where we're going to have to figure something out, but otherwise, we're in good shape. And then, of course, we get to February, we've got Blackberry Smoke, we have got Judas Priest, so we'll be fine. And by that time, we will have, I would hope, more announcements of new music coming throughout the spring and the summer of 2024. But for now, I bid you guys adieu for 2023. But of course, we'll check you out again in 2024. In seven days, the latest episode of the Fortress of Rock will drop the first of 2024. First and foremost, and most importantly, 
as we sign off here, I want you guys to be safe on New Year's Eve and into the new year. If you're going to go out and party, get a designated driver or at least have an Uber or a Lyft at your disposal. Do not take your life or the lives of anybody else into your hands when you have partied too much. We want you to stick around so we can talk more about rock and roll in the coming weeks and months and years. So be safe here this New Year's weekend into Monday, New Year's Day. Listen to some great rock and roll. I've given you my best of 2023. If you have not listened to these songs, these albums, go jump back in, jump on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you listen to your music, wherever you stream it. Listen to some of this stuff if you have not yet, because you're missing out. And, of course, in 365 days, approximately, we'll do it all again, and we'll talk about the best of 2024. But in seven days... The new rock and roll year begins for the fortress. So until then, I'm the maestro Kevin Crane. Love the one you're with. (laughs) And believe me, on New Year's Eve, (laughs) that probably is more relevant than on any other day of the year. (laughs) Wherever you are, whoever you're partying with, love the one you're with. Be safe. Not only behind the wheel, but with the one you're loving on New Year's Eve. Take care, everybody. I'm the Maestro. I love you. I will talk to you in seven days. Peace out.